You are listening to the Gator Slant, a Florida Gators podcast from ChopTalk.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gator Slant, an all-sports Florida Gators podcast from ChompTalk.com. This is technically, I think, our 18th episode. Uh, we did have the live broadcast last week, but we're not really counting that. Uh, as always, I am joined by Ryan Haley and Jesse Richardson. Guys, first off, how much fun was that live broadcast the other day? It was a time. I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was a new challenge for all of us. I don't think any of us really knew what we were doing up until the last minute, and I still qualified that. We probably don't know what we were doing in those moments. But we had a lot of great interviews. I was really impressed with Pierce Capola and the way he handled himself. Um, the way that Hunter Barco and Judd Fabian talked about the like, attitudes in the team this year compared to last season. Uh, I think that there's that sounds like good things. I mean, obviously, it's always going to sound positive when you're three months out from the season, but it sounds like good things are brewing. Absolutely. Jesse, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, dude. Uh, it was a great atmosphere, great weather, great people. Um, and great, great interview. Just like Ryan said, I, I mean, I, I think I'm getting more and more excited for this baseball team this year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, and also I was just very happy to be next to my two great friends, Brian and Ryan and doing a podcast in person and, uh, it felt good. And so I, I'm glad that we found this new system and, um, yeah, let's keep it going. No, yeah. shucks. Kiss ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, I thought it was really cool. I took an adjustment using one microphone, uh, there were times where we muted ourselves. I say we, it was I, I muted ourselves. <laughs> I was uh, going to say we. That's how I'm used to recording this, uh, but I, I thought all in all it was fun. Uh, for those of you that are kind of unfamiliar with what we're talking about, on Friday we had the pleasure to record a live podcast for the Gator Dugout Club at their annual golf tournament. Uh, we had live interviews with Judd and Derek Fabian, Hunter Barco, and Pierce Coppola, uh, and it was a very baseball-heavy episode. Uh, if you want to check it out, you're welcome to. It's at the Chomp Talk Facebook and Twitter page. It's on the Gator Dugout Club Facebook page, and you can check out. I think all of us here retweeted it on our personal accounts. So, um, guys, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it, huh? Um, I think we need to start with the the team that's currently dancing. Florida's volleyball team advanced to the NCAA tournament Sweet 16 with wins over Florida A&M and Miami. More impressive, head coach Mary Wise became the first female head coach in NCAA volleyball to win her 1,000th career game with the sweep of the Rattlers on Thursday. Ryan, I know we talked a little bit about it on Friday, but share some of your thoughts on Mary Wise and what she means to the University of Florida. Jeez, I don't really know if I can fully encapsulate what Mary Wise means to the university without just sitting here and waxing poetic superlatives that feel hollow, but they still just aren't. I mean, she's been around since the Spurrier era of football. I mean, it was her, Burley, and Spurrier that really defined that era of Florida athletics. And for her to still be here and still be doing what she's doing for a coach to, I mean, I, I get it. The first thing, and it's a, it's a glaring hole in a resume, but the only hole in a resume is that national championship. And obviously people have been kind of waiting with bated breath for her to finally cross that bridge and get over that hump for the last probably better part of a, two decades now. Um, but for a coach to have the same standard of success be deemed success for two decades or three decades, I think closer to yeah. that she's been at Florida. Um, and like, that's unheard of in anything. I don't care. College professional. That's 
dynasty level stuff, whether you have a trophy to say for it or not, um, for a program, much less a program under one direction the entire time, but for a program to be consistently among the top five, 10, 15 programs in the country year in, year out, and have that be what deems success or failure every single season for that long, it's mind-boggling. I don't really think there's enough I could say about it. Yeah, to ride the wave of consistency that she has been on for 30-plus years at the University of Florida, uh, it's really something. Uh, Appropriately, she goes by Gator Mary on Twitter. I mean, she is the definition of what you would want from a head coach uh, at the University of Florida, and I think we're going to talk a lot more about what we like in a head coach, what we want in a head coach, uh, you know, later on I in the episode. I was going to say, I can't think of any head coach. You'd be talking I don't, about. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but no. you know, I just have a feeling we're going to discuss head coaches later. Um, I hold on to that. Jesse, what are, what are some of your thoughts on, on. Um, yeah. Some, I mean, look, uh, my respect for Mary wise has skyrocketed after earning the thousand wins. And I think it really should around the arrest of the campus as well. And I mean, look, she's been very consistent for about as long as, as she's been at Florida and and there's there's really nothing much you could really say about it. I, I mean, even now she's she's busting through this NCAA tournament without her best player on the court. And I'm sure we'll probably talk about that a little bit. But I mean, yeah, I think that that just says a lot about the way that she coaches up the rest of her team and how she builds these programs to be consistent for. Yeah, like like Ryan said, about around around two decades. And I just think that that's amazing. Yeah. All right. Since you alluded to it, I think we should uh, address the, uh, you know, the 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 lingering uh, effects of losing Tierra Caesar, who uh, she opted to step away from the program to focus on her mental and physical health. I think she put that out in an Instagram post. Um, Ryan, this is kind of a touchy subject. I'm not asking for any hot takes, but this is a big blow to the Gators and it's likely going to be felt, especially in this upcoming round. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's really a hot take to have. Um, I think that there's a, I haven't seen much of it, which I am very appreciative for uh, because it means fans have managed to put that aside. But the only thing I can think of, and again, it is far from my place to speculate about what's going on in Tierra's life. um, And I am not here to do that. But knowing how impressive she is on the court and how decorated her career is and the kind of competitor that she is, for her to make a decision like this at this point in the season must have been a incredibly difficult for her and B mean it's something absolutely necessary for her mental health, which is absolutely as important as her physical health. And so the only take you can really have in this instance is that I hope that she gets all of the help she needs and all of the help she deserves to get back to a hundred percent, whether that is her. I mean, it seems clearly like she's transitioning out of volleyball as a career. So for, the person is always going to be more important and more impressive than the athlete a hundred times out of a hundred. And so that's the top priority here. Yeah, absolutely. All of us want her to get whatever help she needs to be the best person she can be. And uh, no doubt that Mary wise is right on there with her uh, hoping for and and wishing the best of her and offering whatever she can. I I have zero doubt about that. Um, Guys, Florida is going to have to rely on freshman Merritt Beast and sophomore Sophia Victoria to kind of help fill that void. They, they've done a great job through two sets, but they've got a whole nother test on Thursday when they face number one Louisville, the number one overall seed. Um, guys, do you, see, do you see Florida getting out of that, that matchup with a win? So I'll put it this way. 
Florida just traveled to Kentucky. Granted, this is an away match, which they're going to be going to Louisville for this Sweet 16 round. Um, they just went to Kentucky two weeks ago to face the Wildcats, the defending national champions, and got swept back-to-back nights. Yeah, twice. Twi- yeah, twice in a row. Lost six straight sets. They were competitive sets, but they lost six straight sets. Louisville beat Kentucky. So I guess take that as you will. Um, Louisville is very good. There is nothing. I mean, there is absolute. uh, Granted, like we just had a long conversation about the respect and admiration we all have for Mary Wise. So like, would I ever sit here and say that there's no way Florida can win this match? No, but like, there's nothing embarrassing about having a small chance of winning against Louisville because they look like a runaway locomotive in the NCAAs this year. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's important to note that even if Florida had a healthy TRCs are out there, uh, this would be a very difficult matchup to take her out. It just adds to it. Um, everybody can watch that. It's a nationally televised game on ESPNU on Thursday at 1 o'clock p.m. I know we'll all be watching. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, guys, let's let's move over to the hardwood. Uh, you know, the men's basketball team was impressive to open the season. Uh, they finally dropped their first game, Past a 74-67 to 67 road loss to Oklahoma. The Gators shot just four from 24 from deep, and it kind of looks like this team will go by the way of their shooting and their defense. Uh, the Oklahoma game I thought was particularly disturbing because the team started out so flat. Uh, the Sooners opened up with an 11-0 lead, but it was nice to see Florida get back into it. Uh, but all of a sudden, that feel-good story of this team that, that we've seen and the defensive in, uh, intensity, um, it's starting to look like the same chorus that we've seen over the last few years. And if the team's not knocking down shots, this is exactly what we've seen. Um, I mean, we're recording this right now, and it's the second half. It's the early second half against Texas Southern, and Florida is losing 48-35. to 35. Uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of, to Texas Southern, an 0 and 7 Texas Southern team. Um, yeah, like I said, if the shots aren't falling, this team does not look good. Ryan, I'm going to let you, uh, elaborate from there. It's so in order to fully encapsulate why I was worried about the Oklahoma game, I first need to go back to the Ohio state game. Um, that buzzer beater victory over Ohio State was the kind of win that I hadn't seen Mike White been able to pull off in the past. His team looked flat. His team looked uncomfortable. His team didn't look in the game. And somehow their defense and their tenacity kept them around enough for that one five-minute surge they got in the second half that threw them right back in the game. And I've never... It was a kind of win that I'd never seen Mike White able to finally slam home in his time in Gainesville, and it gave you the sense of, like, maybe this team is different. Maybe it's the players. Maybe Mike White's been playing with a hand behind his back the entire time, and this roster is that little secret to unlocking that handcuff. And you want all of that to be true, and then they have a game like Oklahoma, and it's the most stereotypical Mike White loss. It is, like exactly what you said, it's coming out flat. There, my One of my biggest critiques of Mike White over his tenure has been you could always tell whether Florida was going to win or lose within five minutes of almost every game. Um, and the Oklahoma game just encapsulated that. Like they, I mean, they pulled close at points in the second half, but they just never really looked like they were in that game. 
and I don't really know why that is. And it's a kind of a trademark on Mike White games because they have those duds. Yeah, Jesse, I, I want to get your thoughts too. I, before I do that, I want to ask specifically, I'm not a huge fan of Colin Castleton. I, I don't think that he is an adequate big really? man when he faces other big men. Um, I know even against Oklahoma, he came away with, I, I believe it was 14 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, but I feel like, you know, he gets those on the the, the chase down rebounds and, and whatnot. I don't feel like he's the guy down low that he's not the banger that you want down low. I, I feel like Anthony DeRuji is that guy, but because Colin's playing, he's playing more of the high post there and we're not getting to see as much of that. Uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts about this team and maybe specifically about what I just said? Uh, so as a Colin Castleton stand, I will have to respectfully disagree with your statement. Um, I, I do think Colin Castleton, I, I do think Colin, Colin Castleton is uh, pretty good down low. I mean, this guy is, is, is averaging a double doubles uh, throughout the season. And I mean, you, you don't do that while being not that good down low. You, you know what I mean? Uh, so, I mean, I, I will say that I think he ha- does have that, that size advantage uh, on, on Deruji. I know Deruji is a pretty, pretty sizable guy, but I mean, I, I do like Castleton. I think uh, <clears throat> I think the, the team as, as a whole has kind of fallen off a little bit, especially at versus Oklahoma. But I think we really got to start looking back at the at the Florida State win now, uh, especially after Florida State has kind of has kind of been unranked for a little bit. I mean, like was that win as impressive as we think it is now, or or was Florida State just not that good? Um, but especially after this, after this performance against Oklahoma, maybe we can kind of like see is like is Florida really good, or are they just beating bad teams? Um, and, and even after barely beating Ohio State, I, it might it might even follow the same narrative. But uh, yeah, yeah, and I and I, I agree with you uh, as far as you know. Is this the team that's just beating bad teams? The only thing is, this has been Mike White's calling card. He'll beat a good team and then come out and lay lay an egg the next game, and and it's something that has to be overcome, and it has to be overcome this year if he's going to continue being the head coach of the University of Florida. Um, Ryan, I, I don't know if you got to hear my uh, my little thoughts about Colin Castleton there. I have very similar thoughts regarding Tyree Appleby. I don't think he's an SEC point guard, but uh, that's just maybe my thoughts. Uh, I know he hit the buzzer beater and it was one of the coolest shots, but um, I think that those guys uh, create problems for Florida that maybe, you know, somebody else. And I think Florida has other capable guards that Appleby doesn't have to get the kind of playing time that he does. Ryan, what are your thoughts there? For one, and I know this isn't the starting question. Um, for one, I do agree about your I, I agree on your point about Castleton. Sorry, I completely like my words just left me there for a second. Ha, um, take that, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, Jesse, it might be might be two on one there. I've never I've never been the biggest Castleton proponent. Um but bygones, bygones. I'll let I'll let you guys have had that argument. Um, Appleby to me, I see your point. I don't know if I care as much about his flaws as I used to, uh, but I do think that they are there. I think that there are just times that he gets loose with the ball and I don't like, I don't know. It's, it's just, (laughs) I don't know what just happened, but Brian, Brian just reacted like I just, dude, 
down 20 points with 10 minutes to play in the second half. That's 20 points is the most dangerous lead in sports, Brian. Uh, you know, okay. <laughs> okay, Brian, you want to make this bet right now? No. God, no. Um, no, but I, I, again, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that there are, it's easy to kind of ride waves when you get to, like, when you're on, it's easy to ride the wave when it's cresting and get mad at it when it's not. Um, but I, I, Again, I think this at this point in the season, the sample sizes are probably just a little tiny to have full takes about just how good or bad this team can really be. I mean, a week ago, everyone was willing to crown Gonzaga as going undefeated until the tournament, and now they've lost two games. Uh, Duke beat them and then proceeded to immediately get beat. So it's it just feels like a pretty like it's just it's early. Sample sizes are tiny, and but the thing that concerns me the most is that all of these flaws are typical Mike White flaws. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what? I completely agree with you on this, on the sense that this is early. This is, this team was put together just, you know, a couple months ago. They need that time to gel. I just think that when you put in a guy like Tyree Appleby, who let's face it, he is a turnover machine. Uh, when this kind of happens, I can, I think it takes a lot out of it. a team that has to make shots. They have to capitalize on the opportunities they do get, and they're proving that over the last couple of games. Uh, you know, by March, this team could very much gel, and we could see a totally different team out there. I wonder how much they're going to live and die by Myrian Jones going forward, because that dude uh, is going to shoot himself in or out of every single game. Doesn't matter if he made one or ten of all of them; he's going to shoot at least ten threes. Yeah, absolutely. Like pretty much every game, it feels like. So I wonder how much they're going to wind up living and dying by his hot hand. Well, that's the thing. Even if Florida somehow comes back to win this game tonight, it is something that's got to be concerning because just like Ryan said, this is typical Mike White stuff. This is the stuff we've seen for now seven years. Uh, this isn't going to, the, the, the narrative is not going to change. Uh, everybody that, that, you know, two weeks ago was saying, Oh, Mike White's changed. Mike White's changed. He's, you know, he's got the T you know, we're already on social media fire Mike White's all over the place. So, uh, you might want to lay off the Twitter for a little while, guys. Um, <laughs> all right, Jesse, while we're sticking with the hardwood, let's go over to the women's basketball team. They played two games last week. Uh, they lost at George Mason, George Mason, uh, but they followed that with a win at TCU. They've now won six of their last seven games. Um, Jesse, let's talk about this women's basketball team. Uh, you're covering them for us. What, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, so hey, this team is seven and three now, which is uh, something to be, I, I think, pretty proud of. Uh, I mean, and on this four game uh, away streak on this road trip, I guess if you want to call it, uh, they they went three and one, and I I do think that says a lot. Um, they got the wins over St. Louis and George Washington, which were impressive for the most part, and then most recently TCU uh, yesterday, as of, as of this podcast that would be on, on Sunday. Um, and the thing is about the team i think it's kind of like the men's basketball team is they're yes they're getting these wins and i feel like that they, they haven't really played a pretty solid opponent yet so it's pretty hard to look at this team and be like oh this this team is going to do well in, in the nc in the ncaa tournament um and i still see a lot of inconsistencies even yesterday versus texas christian um for they, they they did not shoot that well at all uh and really and really the defense was keeping you in, in in the game and they were out rebounding tcu um but yeah I, I would i would say that there's a lot to fix on this florida team even though the record might save otherwise but uh yeah i i i, I will say and brian i don't know if you agree with this uh that this culture has definitely changed i, I think it's a lot more positive 
Um, I think Coach Kelly Ray Finley is doing a pretty good job to to kind of rile these girls in, and um, you know, play some some solid basketball. Other than you know some minor uh, kinks in in the gears. Yeah, I think they're playing much more loose. Um, you know, they're going out there and they're just having fun. It looks like uh, when we've gotten to see them live, uh, they've spent a lot of time away from the Odom. It seems like. Uh, but that that's going to start changing. They're actually they've got a three game homestand to finish out the non conference slate. Um, they've got Dayton on Wednesday and then Florida State on Sunday. But one thing that concerns me, Jesse, and I don't know how you feel about this, um, but Lavender Briggs yesterday scored twenty two points, grabbed six boards. Kiki Smith got twelve points, eleven rebounds, seven assists, and Jordan Merritt got twelve points with five rebounds. No other player scored more than six points in the game, and only one player scored six. That was uh, Zippy. Um, is that something that that could be a concern? It seems like if any one of those people doesn't go off, it'll you know it took Lav getting twenty two points, but if any one of them doesn't go off, uh, you know this is what we're getting, and it's going to probably be a loss. So what are your thoughts there? Um, yes, I do totally agree. Uh, Lavender Briggs has kind of been mostly the leader of the squad. And I think that if this team is going to win, she has to be hitting the baskets and she has to be consistent every single game. But that is asking a lot of, of a junior. Um, and I mean, for right now, it seems like the other four uh, spots on the starting five are kind of just a shuffle at this point. I, I've seen a, a lot a lot of different lineups being being used. Um, and I mean, for the most part, I mean, as long as you're getting wins, I guess it's okay to test out for now. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as Kiki Smith is at least showing up every other game, it looks like this team has a chance, but I, I, I think that they need these freshmen, especially, um, Alberta Rimdahl, who has a great three point shot. I, I, we talked about her a little bit at, at the beginning of the season. Um, but if she catches on fire, she could definitely potentially be that number three and number four spot to, I uh, really boost his offense because I think that's really uh, the the overlying issue with this team is uh, the defense isn't that bad. Um, Floor tuners is is pretty good in the paint when it comes to defense, but offensively, I, they definitely need a lot of work. Much like the criticism with Colin Castleton, I, I kind of feel the same way about the women's team. Uh, Floor tuners is doing great for you know what we're seeing, but like you said, the competition really hasn't been much. When they get into SEC play, they're going to face big teams. Uh, and Florida's going to have to be able to counter that. And I don't know if that means taking Talia White uh, Weish out and, and putting her out there because she's got more of a she's more of a big bodied uh, you know woman that that can crash the boards a lot better. Um, I don't I don't know I don't know how this is going to play out. It'll be interesting to see what adjustments Kelly makes from. Uh, you know, non-conference to conference play. Like I said, it's it's about to kick up. Florida State is a very, very good team that could win a national title. Uh, they're that good. Uh, they're going to be here Sunday, and, and you're going to see uh, just how far Florida is right now from from some of these elite teams. And and we're gonna it's going to be a preview of what's to come in the conference slate. So, um, Jesse, any any final thoughts on the women's basketball program heading into SEC play? Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say, I mean, this team has hasn't even tipped their toe in, in in the conference schedule yet. I think that's that's gonna be where all the real tests are, especially South Carolina. They look as as elite as ever, um, and yeah, so that's about it. I, I think that these next three games should be a pretty good warm up for the for the conference schedule. Absolutely. Again, I think Jesse kind of encapsulated it really well, and it's kind of a weird point to really have any opinion on the team because yeah, they're winning and they're winning in a way that. 
uh, is among their more impressive seasons since Amanda Butler left, but it's also against teams they should be beating. So, like, how much credit do they really deserve for that and how much praise are really going to heap upon them? They don't deserve any criticism for sure because they're taking care of business. But it just feels like it's too soon to tell until they start getting into SEC play. So I was going to echo everything Jesse said. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like I said, they played Dayton on Wednesday and then Florida State on Sunday before wrapping up the non-conference slate with Murray State. Um, guys, before we uh, get you guys out of here for the night, uh, let's let's be honest here. Florida's a football school, and uh, it would be a massive mistake for us to not at least talk briefly about what's going on with the Florida football program. Uh, on Sunday, Billy Napier was introduced as the head coach of the Florida Gators. Ryan, I know, A, that you're a big fan of the hire, and B, that you were at the presser yesterday. So why don't you share some of your thoughts on what he's bringing to Gainesville? Um, Billy Napier is bringing Billy Napier to Gainesville. And that is, it makes sense when you heard the way he spoke. This is a guy that won an unprecedented amount by school standards at Louisiana and has decided, I think justly, that just because he did so in the Sun Belt, does not mean he can't do it in the SEC by being himself. And I think that he's managed to both compartmentalize everything he's learned from the coaches he's learned under. Uh, he praised Nick Saban and said that he learned more in one season under him than the entire decade beforehand. Uh, very clearly had a very important relationship with his father, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago. I was a old former high school football coach. Um, but yeah, B Billy Napier just looks like he everything he was advertised to be, um, and everything he said. It felt cohesive. It felt stable. I think was the best word for it. It just felt overwhelmingly stable. Everything he did, everything he said, was just grounded, and it felt like it was both incredibly authentic and incredibly honest and simple. Yeah, I completely agree. I one of the things that kind of just took me. We heard through through everything, uh, through the process, that Billy Napier was an incredibly organized person, that he was very detail-oriented. And that came out even in his press conference. Uh, you know, he didn't let – I mean, you knew exactly what you're getting from him based on what he told you. Uh, there's going to be no surprises. Um, and I think that's a great thing because we didn't exactly get that from the last staff here. And it actually, it's probably been a little while since that has been the case here in Gainesville. So probably urban, um, even though the one their surprises are probably there with urban. You just didn't see them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that I took from this, uh, his contract, I, I believe it was announced that it was 7.1 million a year. Um, but uh, so this, it's seven year contract. Starting at seven point one million increases one hundred thousand every season, so it's about fifty one million all told. The biggest thing is he negotiated to get seven point five million dollars for his staff. Um, that's among the top five in the nation. It rivals. Uh, it's just short of Alabama, but it's right. It's actually just above what Georgia is at currently. Um, right but additionally, State, isn't it? yeah, I think it's right right below. I think Ohio State was like seven point six or something. Um, but the, the next step down, the support that he's getting $5 million to put support around the program, uh, that's going to put a lot of people in the, in those places. Uh, and, and, you know, he learned, he, like you said, he learned under Nick Saban. He knows that those guys are instrumental, uh, especially when it comes to recruiting and stuff like that. So I was going to say, if you didn't like Dan Mullen, cause he didn't recruit Billy Napier must've been serenading you on Sunday. 
Oh man, you know what? I I loved it every second of it. I <laughs> um, no, I I came away. What he uh, talked about. I came away very impressed with him. Um, I really appreciate that he had a genuine accent <laughs> compared to what we saw over at LSU. I guess uh, family. Come on, that was uh, one of the funniest videos God, I watched. Dude, that was, that like... was so. That was. I felt like a fever dream that entire <laughs> week. Brian Kelly's agent must have been having a conniption all of yeah. last week. <laughs> oh, that that made it for me. But yeah, to see uh, you know somebody who 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 genuinely seems to get it. Ryan, you said before we got on, this is a guy that he's going to be here a while, and he's going to do things, and he's going to do things right. And you're, I I completely agree. And it would be impossible, you know, unless he gets burnt out. I don't see any way this doesn't end up positive for both him and Florida. This is the right move, and it it becomes ever apparent. And uh, and you know, credit Scott Strickland here. Um, I don't think that gets said enough, especially on social media. Um, you know, Scott Strickland's got his faults. We, we've gone through that, you know, on this podcast several times. Um, but he nailed this this coaching search. Uh, he did it the right way. He started before he ever fired a coach, but you know, as a just in case kind of thing. Um, and then sure enough, when he made that move, he already knew what he was doing. Um, it wasn't like the situation that's currently going on in Miami. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> God, that's um, like a bit. I, you know what? I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of like, I, I think. Know. I think what they did is totally wrong to Manny. Don't get me wrong. I think that's it's a horrible look for Miami. But I'm from Philadelphia. Temple University was about six miles from where I grew up. And uh, Manny Diaz was the head coach. He was introduced as the head coach of the Temple Owls and two days later took the job at Miami when Mark Rick suddenly retired or resigned, retired, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? What comes around goes around. It's kind of funny that this happened to him after all. But uh, <laughs> Jesse, what are some of your thoughts about Billy Napier? Uh, I love his attitude, uh, and I mean, I think one of, the, one of the biggest quotes that came out out of that press conference was that he wants to be the best team in the SEC. And I mean, it just it just sounds like he wants to be the best team in the, in the whole damn country, uh, which I think is going to be great for this for this culture. And I mean, one thing I, I love about this hire is that he left uh, the Eurasian Cajun program with the fan base worshiping the feet excuse me, worshiping the ground that, that, that uh, he walked on. And I think that really says a lot that, that even though he took this new job at a much larger school, that, that the, his players love him. Uh, the, the student section seemed to really be thankful for what he brought to, to UL and, and just being able to like win the conference championship and finish the season. And then the next day make a flight to Florida and be introduced as the brand new head coach. That's all, that's all awesome. And it really shows that he's committed and I think that this is all just kind of a culture shock for us because we just went through uh, the many days of a high ego Dan Mullen. And so, you know, we're all just kind of like, whoa, who is this very humble coach that just really wants to play the game and get the job done? I think that's great. And I, I think that's going to change a lot for, for this program. Yeah, I, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, Ryan, we talked about it, I, you know, last week, the week before, whenever it was. You know, I think with Billy Napier, we have to realize that we're we're digging, we're buying into the culture, um, and that this may not be a one year turnaround. I mean, he even told you as much as far as recruiting goes, and so you know that's, that answer impressed me too. I, you know what, it, I, I did. It, it was a little bit frustrating, but with Dan Mullen, we were getting about the same class anyway. So you know, hey, it is what it is, right? It was meant to be. Um, 
And but I think I think his overarching point is like he wants to be careful with everything that he constructs about his university and his program. And you don't want to recruit frenetically because it means you might wind up making promises that aren't valid or and you don't want that reputation. You don't want to have to be selling yourself in that way. So like I, I don't think he's gonna like fully like fall flat and not sign anybody on early signing day. But I think it it was impressive to me that he knows that that's not the end of the line. Like that's not the finish line that he's really working towards. Like he he wasn't hired to win early signing day in ten days. He was hired to win football games both in twenty twenty two and beyond. And he knows how he's going to do that. He doesn't feel pressure to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I I agree completely uh, on that account too, man. Well, this is a you know we all agree this is not good radio, guys. <laughs> no, I know. It probably means um, terrible things for Billy Napier. I'm so sorry. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, Ryan, if 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 I've learned anything with you, man, your predictions go south often. <laughs> listen, listen, man. I bet. I bet five. I bet. Uh, had a friendly wager with a buddy of mine that took Georgia minus nine and a half in the SEC championship, and that couldn't have exploded in my face worse. Yeah, I, I thought need to start was bad. you, man. I no, you don't. No, you. Now don't. that there's Hard a, Rock has been shut down, I'm gonna. There's have a reason to... I don't. There's a reason I don't sports bet. <laughs> uh, guys, anything else you want to add before we sign off on this episode? Mark um, has a great beard. Yes, he does. He does. It's <laughs> a phenomenal beard. That is <laughs> an aspirational beard. I, I think that alone, the Gators are going to get at least ten wins next year. Did did the three of us really go thirty five minutes without talking about whatever the hell Gardner Minshew did on Sunday, buddy? I had that in my final thoughts. I, I was ready for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know you. I know you were, Brian. I know you were. Um, All right. So since since it came up, <laughs> go for it, Brian. Get no. I'll give you the floor first. This has been your case. Right, so it's going to be very simple. So for those of you that are, don't know. Uh, a, that we're all three Philadelphia Eagles fans, but Gardner Minshew, the Jacksonville Jaguars mustache legend, uh, has come to Philadelphia and he's kind of taking the city by storm, uh, going 14 for 15 in the first half uh, for nearly 200 yards. Um, the biggest thing was he didn't turn the ball over. Um, and that's hard to argue after Jalen Hurts in his last outing gave up three interceptions. Um, I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to tell you that I think based off of one performance that Gardner should be the guy, but I'm going to tell you, I think he should get the next start. And, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, they've got a bye week to work things hmm. out, but I think if you give Minshew first team reps for those two weeks and just say, Hey, Jalen, go rest. It could blow up in his face, but I think this is a team that's making a playoff push right now. And Gardner Minshew, I think, gives them their best chance to win right now. Yes and no on that take. <laughs> so I saw Jesse, and I'm going to let Jesse go here in one second, but I do want to get my two cents in first. Sorry, Jesse. You're good. Um, Gardner Minshew should get Philadelphia's next start after a performance like that. He should, especially if Jalen's not 100%. You want to give Jalen – always give Jalen a week extra. Give him a little time especially if your backup's playing well, just let them ride. It was the Jets. Let's not, let's not forget that. It was the Jets. And as much as I love and appreciate Gardner Minshew, there were a lot of throws that, like, if the defender had been, like, properly covered, might have been more contested than they were. Ryan, on, on that same mm -hmm. subject, 
Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions against the freaking Giants, man. Who are who have a much better defense than the Jets? <laughs> they're still a bad yeah, team. <laughs> they're a bad. They're a bad team. They are not a bad team because of their defense. They're a bad yeah. team because they have Daniel Jones. Yeah, <laughs> you have to you have to contextualize why these teams are bad. The Jets are hot garbage. Yeah, entirely. <laughs> no, granted, hundred percent. But like, I'm not gonna like. Gardner Minshew deserves praise for doing what he was asked to do. He was asked to step in, and he stepped in, and he won. And he should be praised for that. To say that he's won the job because he had a good two-touchdown game against the Jets, you can I, I agree. I didn't, I didn't say he should get the job. He should not be the starter. I think it should be an open competition once Jalen's completely healthy. But I think based on what I've seen the last two weeks – I think one guy does give a better shot at winning than the other. Well, I do also want to contextualize. After the game, New York Jets head coach Robert Salah said that he did not prep for Gardner Minshew because he figured the offenses would just be the same. Which so is, maybe the Jets are just bad. That, that should like have been a fireable offense for him right there. That <laughs> yeah. Like so. Like again, maybe teams are going to be like, "Hey, wait a minute." That um, man never watched Gardner Minshew nope. at Washington State or in Jacksonville. <laughs> so, yeah, I like, again, Gardner Minshew performed incredibly admirably in the perfect storm situation to perform admirably. That doesn't mean he doesn't deserve credit for doing so. It doesn't mean that he should just go right back to the bench. But I do want to, you have to contextualize that performance. Although I'm very happy with it. And Minnesota and San Francisco losing. Philadelphia is half a game back of that wild card seed. I'm telling you. <laughs> Here we go. Ride the yeah. mustache, man. Let's all – Jesse's already got the mustache. Let's all just grow it out for the for the Hell playoff no. run. Yeah. Hell, <laughs> I, have, I have blonde Brian facial hair. Turn. There's zero chance <laughs> yeah. that happens. You haven't <laughs> seen me with a mustache. You're never going right, to see it again. Jesse, your thoughts real quick, man. We're, we're getting sidetracked here. All right, yeah. I, I just got to – I just got to say. I mean, the only way I see Garner Minshew starting next – excuse me – in the following week is if Jalen Hurts is still injured. But – According to Jalen Hurts, he was ready to go uh, that Sunday morning. So I have a feeling he's probably going to be ready to go in two weeks. Uh, and I, I think if he if he's going to do well, then then we should probably stick with the guy. I, I'm not trying to go through this whole quarterback controversy in Philadelphia again. I'm just so tired of it. We need to stick with our guy, make sure he's the guy. If anything, I think the Gardner Mitchell performance on Sunday is great trade capital. We got three first-round draft picks, which is also going to be my other final thought is thank you, Carson Wentz, for still having the Eagles from far away. Um, but, hey, well, you know, Gardner did his job. He came in. He beat the Jets, who are a really bad team, and I don't think we should look too far into that, just like Ryan said. Although the dream of Philadelphia having three top ten picks is kind of dead, though, because I think the Colts and Dolphins are both fringe AFC wildcard teams, and the Eagles are fringe NFC wildcard teams. Best case scenario, Philadelphia has like yeah. 13, 15, 17. Yeah, Howie Roseman's going to get to make three picks for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside here. Okay, guys? <laughs> you guys ready to have, uh, this is you guys, not you guys, a good consolation prize, actually. You, you guys, You guys ready to have, like, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Traylon Burks on the board and pick like an off-brand wide receiver from the Pac-12 and then like oh, two offensive way, linemen just, with high know, motors. Real quick, I, and I I'm know we're, we're boring people at this point, but Jalen Rager, how the hell do you make the you, – you catch the ball or, or I'm sorry, let it go where you did and then ball gets stuck at the one-yard line. I, that guy, I'm so sick. I don't know how he's got a job in the NFL. I, Ryan, he's I don't know that yet. you could be any worse than – Jalen Rager right now. Nelson Aguilar? 
Oh, but well, JJR Sneaker. Sadly, Howie will find the guy. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager is still getting minutes above JJR Sneaker Whiteside. Yeah, But Jesse, just real quick to piggyback off your point, just for a minute. In Philadelphia, Philadelphia has become the city of the backup quarterback. And I think this is where we have to just ride the backup quarterback to another Super Bowl title. And in February, all three of us will make a trip up there for the Super Bowl parade, right? Dude, so if Gardner Minshew wins the Super Bowl, I will shave my head. And I don't I don't know what else I would do. I, I would make save this believable bet. So just to be clear, since the 2019, since the beginning of the 2018 NFL season, if you include just Philadelphia and Florida as the two football teams that we both follow, um, we had Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, and now Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I mean, we've it. we've done a, uh, it's a, a good job of <laughs> but <laughs> life is time is a flat circle and everything is a construct. All right, guys. Well, uh, for everybody listening, uh, for Ryan Haley, for Jesse Richardson, I'm Brian Fox. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, Ryan, Jesse, I couldn't do this without you guys. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll we'll get at it again, right? Appreciate you too, Brian. If you guys made it this far into the episode, cheers to you and we all love you. Go Birds! Love y'all. Go Go Birds! birds. Go Gators!